0: Welcome back everyone. The 4-factor dividend growth portfolio was rocking in November, but so was the S&P 500 and the majority of equities. November marked the start of fiscal year number 2 for this strategy and portfolio, and it's always nice to kick things off on a bright note. The S&P 500 was up 9.13% last month, fully erasing its losses from August, September, and October. My dividend growth portfolio posted an even more impressive return of 11.02% during the month of November. That means the four-factor strategy is once again off to a better start than the S&P 500, a 1.89% better start to be exact. If you follow the channel, you're likely already familiar with this strategy, but if you're new here, I'll provide a brief explanation of this simple dividend growth strategy. I'll give you an update on the short and long-term performance, and we will take a look at the individual holdings as well. Let's jump right into it. Families have a lot going on. The 4 factor strategy is designed to combine the simplicity of an ETF with a tailored approach to my personal style of investing. I love the idea of keeping things simple and therefore I find a lot of appeal in ETFs and index funds. You invest in one or a few funds and let them take care of selecting the individual holdings and rebalancing the portfolio. What I don't necessarily love are all of the holdings inside these various ETFs. But you can't have one without the other. No one is going to build a custom ETF just for you, unless you have a boatload of money. So last year, I thought to myself, there has to be a middle ground here, where I can build an ETF-like portfolio that is simple and doesn't require a lot of continuous work on my end. This is how the four-factor strategy came to be, and it was inspired by SCHD, one of my favorite dividend growth ETFs. I borrowed the stock selection strategy from the Dow Jones US Dividend 100 Index, the underlying index for SCHD, and I tailored it to my personal style of dividend investing. It's basically a simplified version of SCHD with a focus on high-quality businesses and dividend growth. Once a year, I run this stock screener and find the top-ranked dividend stocks for inclusion in this portfolio. And then I just sit back and leave things be for 12 months. So far, this strategy has worked out well. I started the original portfolio on November 1st, 2022, and during its first year, it returned 10.9%. My goal for this strategy is to achieve a 12% annualized rate of return so the portfolio came up a little short in year 1 However, the S&P 500 posted a return of 10.14% during the same time period from November 1st 2022 through October 31st 2023 So my portfolio beat the S&P by 0.75% Not a big win, but a win nonetheless and may I remind you that it's not easy to beat the S&P Fiscal year number 2 for this portfolio started just a month ago on November 1st 2023 during the month of November, the portfolio rocked a very cool return of 11.02%, compared to just 9.13% for the S&P. And so far, through December 4th, the portfolio is up another 2.13%, compared to a gain of just 0.05% for the S&P. So the fiscal year 2 return, as of today, stands at 13.38%, and is 4.19% higher than the return for the S&P. Not a bad start to year number 2, if you ask me. This is sort of a similar pattern to last year. The portfolio got off to a fantastic start and then gave up most of its alpha in later months. I'll be curious to see if a similar pattern develops this year as well. Combining the two fiscal years, the portfolio is up 25.74% over 13 months in a few days, while the S&P 500 is up 20.26%. This puts the strategy 5.47% ahead of the S&P. The annualized rate of return right now is 21.69% which is significantly higher than my goal of 12%. This return does fluctuate a lot depending on how the market swings. I don't want to get overly excited and pat myself on the back with this strategy just yet. 13 months is not a long time in the market and things can go south very quickly. Since SCHD was the inspiration for this strategy, it's only fitting that I compare the returns of my portfolio to those of SCHD. If you hold the fund or follow its market movements, you likely already know that SCHD has not performed well during the past year. SCHD's return during the fiscal year 1 window, November 2022 through October 2023, was minus 4.51%, and it trailed my portfolio by 15.41%. In November of 2023, SCHD posted a very good gain of 6.3%, but this return was still 4.72% lower than that of my portfolio. Since November of 2022, my portfolio is outperforming SCHD by 21.61%, or 18.23% on an annualized basis I think over the coming months and years SCHG will perform better and start to bridge this gap but I am confident that my strategy can beat SCHD over the next 5 and 10 years My portfolio is made up of 25 high quality dividend growth stocks that all have an equal weight of 4% I rebalanced the portfolio on December 1st which trimmed some of the November winners and shored up some of the losers I'm not going to list out all of the holdings if you'd like to know who they are, and a bit more about the stock selection process, you can check out the last episode, where I spent a bit more time talking about that. I'll leave a link in the description below. Let's talk about November returns for a moment. There were three holdings that posted gains in excess of 20%. The best holding was William sonoma that was up 24.83%. Monolithic Power Systems came in a very close second place with a gain of 24.22% and LAM Research posted a very respectable gain of 21.71%. Nine holdings posted gains in excess of 10%. Some of the more notable returns were Microchip Technology, up 17.67%, Masco, up 16.84%, and the ASML Holdings, up 14.47%. Most of the positions performed well last month. The only exception was EOG Resources that fell by 2.52%, It was the only position in the portfolio to post a negative return in November. The average return for all 25 stocks in November was 10.48%. And you may be wondering why this return differs from the portfolio return of 11.02% if all stocks had an equal weight in the portfolio. There's two simple explanations for this. First, the portfolio was rebalanced with the new constituent stocks the morning of November 1st while the stock market was open. This means that for the first half hour or so of the trading window, the portfolio still had exposure to all the old holdings and their weights. It's also pretty difficult to rebalance the portfolio perfectly to the penny. And there was some rounding that M1 Finance had to make when moving the assets into position for the new holdings and new weights. The second explanation is that most of the dividend income during November was based on the old Fiscal Year 1 portfolio from October. This meant that I captured some extra dividends but also missed a few of the new holdings dividends. I didn't actually sit down and measure what I gained and what I missed but I'm happy the portfolio picked up an extra return of 0.54% last month. Things could have just as easily finished in the opposite direction. Something I'm going to be tracking this year is how the stocks perform based on their original ranking in the stock selection process. I have the results for November broken down by each iteration of 5 stocks. Let me share that with you now. The 5 highest ranked stocks had an average gain of 7.12% last month, performing much worse than the full list of all 25 stocks. Stocks ranked 6 through 10 had an average gain of 13.42% and were the best performing group of 5. Stocks ranked 11 through 15 had an average gain of 11.93%, which was better than average. Stocks ranked 16 through 20 had an average gain of 12.6%, which also was better than average. And the five lowest ranked stocks had an average gain of 7.32%, just barely outpacing the five highest ranked stocks. Obviously, a single month is too short a period of time to start making any assumptions about patterns. But it's interesting to see that similar to fiscal year 1, it's the mid-ranked stocks that seem to perform better than average. I'll be curious how this data evolves throughout the next 11 months. This portfolio is pretty small, as of today its value is about $2200. I do have more money allocated to the 4-factor strategy, but I want to limit my review to just this one portfolio that was the original portfolio. I'm also not adding any more money to this account, so it's easier to track the performance and changes over time. During fiscal year 1, the portfolio generated $42.21 in dividend income, and it had a dividend yield just a little north of 2%. Nothing fantastic, but this is a dividend growth strategy and not a dividend income strategy. In November of 2023, the portfolio received $7.96 in dividend income, which was the single highest dividend month since inception. Previously, the highest month was $4.69 back in August of 2023. So just one month into Fiscal Year 2, the portfolio has already generated more than 18% of the dividend income it paid in Fiscal Year 1. My projection for Fiscal Year 2 dividend income is around $54. This does change slightly each month as I rebalance the portfolio. I know I'll miss some dividend income, but hopefully capture some as well, and the rebalancing effect will offset itself on the net dividend income for the year. If the 4-factor strategy sounds interesting to you, I do share a new list with my Patreon community each month as well as an update on how the strategy is performing. I have also applied the 4-factor stock selection strategy to several other dividend-focused investment styles. In total, there are 4 lists, one that focuses on high dividend growth, one focused on high yield, one for the dividend aristocrats, and one for the dividend kings. Some are performing better than others, but I've only tracked these lists on a monthly basis since the middle of this year so it's too early to call any of them a success. If you enjoyed the episode, please do me a favor and give this podcast a 5-star rating. Thank you for listening and see you next time.